You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, we've been in a series from Easter, getting ready for Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday is next Sunday. Can you believe it? That was a fast 50 days almost, huh? We're in the last week, so, so we're approaching this time. And, and as I've, I've started off every time, I was just thinking, how much more the disciples paid attention to Jesus after the resurrection? You think they, they kind of listened a little differently? You know, uh, they were with him for three years. They walked, they heard him teach, they saw him do the miracles. They, they saw everything that he did. But then when their hopes and their dreams of the Messiah was completely demolished, with the crucifixion, the, the burial, and then on the third day rising, and, and then all the different... And, and Luke tells us in, at the beginning of Acts that Jesus appeared to them for over 40 days. For over 40 days, Jesus appeared to them, and he taught them about the kingdom. They taught them about, he taught them about the kingdom. And that's what we've been pursuing. We've been pursuing the kingdom. We want the king and his kingdom and all its glory to, to be here. He, he taught us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And that is, that is the prayer that I've just been holding on to and latching on to and, and it gives me a, a great sense of assurance of knowing that if Jesus was teaching us as his disciples to pray that prayer, then he must have something about earth that he's really concerned about. Hmm. So he taught him for 40, 40 days. Anybody want to sign up for that workshop? With the resurrected Jesus, 40 days on the kingdom, sign up for you this week, only $299. No, no. As far as I know, he didn't charge. And, uh, and so they were there. And it seems like he, he would come and he'd go and he'd come and he'd go. And if you, if you saw the motion picture that came out this, this spring called Rise, uh, it kind of it has an emphasis on the post-resurrection of Jesus, which I was so excited that we finally got a movie that does some of the depiction of the post-resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. It was really cool because right there he's there and he's talking and then he's gone. And I thought, now that would just freak me out a little, don't you think? I mean, you're talking to Jesus, he's opened up, he's giving you a great revelation about who he is and about the kingdom, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. Give me a warning when you're going to leave, Jesus. And in the movie, and the Tribune and him's talking on the rock and it's early in the morning and they're looking at the, the waves uh, you know, of the sea coming in and all of a sudden and the, the tribune turns down and then he looks up and Jesus is gone. And it's just like, wow. But for 40 days he appeared. And it says on, on one occasion there was over 500 that were present that heard what Jesus had to say about the kingdom after he was raised from the dead. Now that, that's cool. Any way you slice it, that's just amazing. Right on. So in light of that, we've been looking at this time period because we're right now in the period where Jesus had already ascended. His 40 days of teaching on the kingdom had, had ended, and now he had ascended into heaven. And he told his disciples to go into Jerusalem and to pray and to wait 
ten days. So they're, 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 they're praying. Ten days. We call it the upper room. They're praying. Ten days. So that's what we're doing. We, we have opened up the church from eight to nine, and we're going to be meeting, and we're going to be praying, and we're going to be watching. Now they were doing it 24-7 for ten days. We're going to do it for one hour <laughs> for five working weekdays <laughs> and we're going to spend that time in anticipation for next Sunday wow what do you think is going to happen next week as we as we celebrate the birth of the church as we celebrate the ministry of the Holy Spirit coming in a very formal official way to planet earth to remind us of all that Jesus did and said, what he taught. Wow. I would plan on being here next week if I were you. And I would just kind of give you a nice pastoral encouragement. If we're going to worship the risen Lord, if we're going to honor the Holy Spirit, I know we're vineyard and we're casual, Service starts at 10.30. Tell your neighbor, 10.30. 10.30. 10.30. And guess what's the first thing that we do? The first thing that we do is worship. Now, I've never, I know, here I go on my little tirade again. I've never understood if you know that the first thing that we're going to do is worship, why anyone would be late. I don't, I don't get that. Now, if it was going to be preaching first, I, I'd understand that. But worship, I, I can't understand. I can't understand why anybody would be late for worship. Now, I'm in the front row, so I don't know who came in when. Don't even go. I, I engage with the Lord. I have a wonderful time. So if you think I'm preaching at you, I'm not. But if the Holy Spirit's reminding you that you have a problem with being punctual, then do it. All our visitors are here before 10.30, okay? All our visitors are here before 10.30. All our church people, committed, part of the body, are not here at 10.30, except for the worship team. Little, little encouragement, be here, Pentecost, worship. Let's worship the Lord. And let's let it just overflow all summer. We could even take it into the fall, into the winter. We could take it until Jesus returns and just be here because worship is the most important thing that we do. That's what we're talking about. So let's, let's get here for worship. Okay? All in agreement, say aye. aye. Oppose? Aye. Oppose? Are you opposing? Okay. 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 Good. It, motion carried. Let it be in the minutes of Vineyard Community Church at Mount Comfort. It is so ordered and decreed that we'll all be on time from here on out. Okay. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. We're looking at the victor and the prize. We saw that Jesus is victorious, that he has, he has conquered death, he's conquered sin, he's conquered everything the, the kingdom of darkness could throw at him. And so he is the victor 
and the prize we've been looking at uh, for, for the last seven weeks, the different prizes. And today's prize is the prize of the new creation. Mm-hmm. Our scripture verse from the message says, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. So here's what the booklet that we've been using for these last seven weeks says. Imagine for a moment that you are the Apostle John sitting in a small cell in a prison colony on the Greek island of Patmos. You were, you are, the disciple Jesus loved. Everybody ought to smile about that. Let's identify with John just for a second. I know many of us are like Peter, but let's, let's, let's just identify with John. We're the disciple that Jesus loved. Oh, that's good. That's good. You wrote a gospel that began with the pronouncement, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You wrote letters to the churches in your care, proclaiming the love of God that compels us to love others. The truth of the prayer Jesus taught you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, stirs deep within you. Amen. Suddenly, the wall of your small cave dwelling becomes like a modern movie screen, IMAX 3D, okay? And an open vision fills your eyes. You're, you're being given a multimedia message for believers for all time. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The vision is long and complex and filled with images from the scripture's grand story. Themes from, Gen from Genesis to Isaiah and beyond dance before your eyes. You see Jesus, risen King of kings and Lord of lords, in sovereign charge of this present and future vision. You see that all creation was not simply end with utter destruction, nor will human life evolve itself to ultimate perfection. Rather, God's world will be renewed, restored, sit right side up, and be filled with the presence, glory, and joy of God. The glory of Eden will be renewed, built by the symphony of human history toward an epic consummation. All tears, all fears will be wiped away. On earth as it is in heaven, the prayer of God's people will finally be answered. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God and it will be consummated in a new heavens and new earth. New creation will come and God's people will return from their exile to their true spiritual homeland. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to look at these thoughts from this message. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church, that you'd give us hearts to understand. And Father, that you would come upon us and move through us, that we might follow our Lord. For we ask it in his name. Amen. So the first question is, where is the world going? 
And after the primary elections, we might be wondering, where is the world going? If you put your trust in politics, you sh might be a little afraid. Or you might be encouraged. I'm not sure. But you're definitely being affected emotionally by what's going on. Where's the world going? Well, it depends on whose perspective you're looking. And, and I've, I've, I've come to the place that really taking even the most brilliant human being just doesn't really give me a whole lot of encouragement. I would rather look from God's perspective and try to get what from his perspective, where is the world going? So we go to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. <clears throat> You've got to realize that God loves the world. God really, really, really does love his creation. He loves all his creatures. Mosquitoes, I'm not sure about. But I think he still loves them. Because if you didn't have mosquitoes, you couldn't have Jurassic Park. So, there you go. Okay. But God loves the world. He loves the world. He so loves the world that, that he is invested in his creation. And a lot of times when when we take our eschatology, and that's the last times, the study of the last times, when, when we take our eschatology and, and we think that the second coming is just right now, we've seen historically what's happened to the church. If the church believes that Jesus' return is imminent right now, it's coming tomorrow, then all of a sudden when it comes to what do you do in light of that, the church did nothing. The church did absolutely nothing. They thought Jesus is coming. We're the ones that are included. They're the ones that are excluded. So let's go apart and have a nice worship experience and wait for Jesus to return. And we've, we, historically, we've got culture after culture that has done something similar to that. And they get very passive and they go about and they wait for the end of everything. They wait for the rapture. They wait for Jesus to return. And, and they don't do anything. Hmm. But God so loves the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And Jesus has come so that we can know how God really feels about the world. And he loves the world. He loves the, he loves the lost. He loves the, the marginalized. He, he loves the broken. He goes after the ones that religion would exclude because they weren't holy enough. They weren't socially, economically well-developed. And so they would be excluded by religion. But we've looked, as we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount, that everything gets reversed. Blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the kingdom, inherit the earth. And, and, and as, you, as you look at, at the kingdom, how it turns everything upside down, all of a sudden it gives us a new understanding of what's, what's going about. So rather than sitting and waiting for the return of the Lord, we find that we've been invited to be part of the harvest. And Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest. And he said, pray for laborers for the harvest fields. Anybody want to sign up for praying 
we're going to have a special committee of intercessors to pray for laborers for the harvest field. Anybody want to sign up for that one? Because when you sign up for that one, guess what? That's chapter 9, next verse. And he sent the disciples out. Everyone that he told to pray for the harvest are the ones that he turned around and he sent into the harvest fields to do the harvesting, to release the good news of the kingdom of God. Ah, that our sins are forgiven. You know, you got the best message to tell anybody, especially if they don't know Jesus. They do not know Jesus. They, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, even someone that, that's got some religious experience, but they don't have a real relationship with Jesus. The best news that you have is to let them know that Jesus died on the cross and that their sins are forgiven. They just need to receive him, to receive Jesus and the incredible atoning work that he did in his death and his resurrection. And as they receive him, they begin a relationship with him. See, part of the problem is, is that oftentimes we think that we're, we're inviting people into their fire insurance, their, their ticket so they can get into heaven. I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's not the first time. So what's God's plan for the world? Point two, he who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So he's making everything new. So he's not, he's not giving us just access to heaven. That when we die, we get to go to heaven. That's, that's not the essence of why he, he's done what he's done. A lot of times I, I think the, the metaphor fire insurance, you know, because a lot of times I think of the alternative to heaven is hell. And oftentimes the imagery of hell is a place of burning and all that kind of stuff. And so if you, if you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you say the sinner's prayer, you get your fire insurance, you don't have to worry about going to hell. But you've missed the whole point of what the gospel is. The gospel is that you're now a son and daughter. And you're invited into relationship with the Father through the Son. And you have access by the Holy Spirit to all the incredible treasures that reside in heaven that wants to be released to earth. And so as, as we, we connect with that, we say, oh, wow, this is great. N.T. Wright put it this way. He's a, a great living New Testament theologian. He says, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is all about. That's in his book, Surprised by Hope. Wow. Somebody said it. Somebody said it. This is going to mess up some of your eschatology. Sorry about that. Revelation talks about that new heaven and new earth. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. Because he said he's going to do it. Some think that he's going to wipe out this and create something new. I... The thing that I've noticed about, about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
They love taking the things that are tarnished, that have been uh, decayed, that have died, and they they love to resurrect it. They love to renew and to restore, to refresh. Uh, I'm sorry for all of you that just think things are going to go from worse to worse to worse to worse to worse. Yeah, I think darkness will will keep trying to rear its ugly head and will try to influence as much as possible. But darkness has never overwhelmed light. Light always overwhelms darkness. And as the church becomes the church, and as you and I discover our true identity of who we are, and we realize that we're not just trying to get a free pass to heaven, but that we have a job with our father. It's a father and son business, father and daughter business too. Uh, as we're doing this, we're gonna, we, get, we get to participate in bringing heaven to earth. Hmm. That's going to... That's going to mess with us, isn't it? Especially if, uh, for those of us that, that think it's uh, kind of the, the elite, we're the elect, it's us four and no more. You know, we, we get exclusive in, in, our, in our understanding of who gets to go to heaven, who, who gets to be part of the family. And we, we realize that God's heart, he so loved all the world that he gave Jesus not just for the spiritual Green Beret. It's not just the spiritual Navy Seals. It's for all of us. And he wants all of us included. Now, how many know somebody that's currently not in a relationship with Jesus? Anybody got any, any contacts with anybody that's... Just two of us, okay. We'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> sometimes that's the way it happens you come into the body of Christ and you get so ingrown within the family of God that you don't have any friends or any socializing with people who don't know Jesus we've got to learn how to be friendly it can start with just being nice hmm. turn to your neighbor and say how about being nice today? Let's let's be nice. Yeah. That's a profound thought. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the picture that Revelation paints for us. Here's John in the IMAX of the Spirit. And he's, he's seeing this. And he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Hmm. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. 
Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. Sound familiar? It is finished. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. How can we live in light of the new creation, the kingdom of God? Mm. Luke says, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Hmm. The kingdom of God is within you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. One of the themes is just new, 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 new. God likes new. He likes to make new. He likes to take from the old and make something that is completely new. Mm. When we think of the kingdom of God, we realize that what we're what we're doing is 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 we're we're seeing into the future and it's coming into the present. And that's what Jesus did when he inaugurated the kingdom, when he came through his life, his death, his resurrection. He brought the fullness of of the next age. He brought and introduced it to ours. And so we're in this period where those things that weren't supposed to happen in our reality are happening in our reality. What do you mean? There wasn't a whole lot of healing that took place before Jesus came. There's a few miracles that the Bible talks about. But when Jesus comes, healings and miracles start to become ordinary. They start to become the new normal. They start to manifest in daily life. You don't have to prepare all the way for this cataclysmic moment when all of a sudden the power of God shows up. No, the kingdom of God is within you. Therefore, the authority and the power of God resides in his kingdom. And his kingdom is in you. And so when you pray for someone, we believe God's going to do something. We believe it's going to happen. He's going to move. He's going to manifest a measure of his kingdom. There's going to be a time when there will be no more sorrow no more tears, no more sickness, no more illness, no more disease. There's a time coming when that will be absolutely sure. And if that time is, is represented by the space over here, and this is the direction that we're moving, and when we get here, finally we've arrived, and there's none of that, there is a sense in which that's true. But what Jesus has done is he's come from here, and he's brought this reality all the way back to our present, to where we are now. We don't see it in the complete fullness of it here because we still live within the complexities of, 
of the things that restrict and restrain the fullness of the kingdom from manifesting, like the lies that we believe, like the agreements that we've made, the, the things that, that, that we believe is true about ourselves that would keep the fullness of the kingdom from being manifest right in our midst. So how do we begin? We begin just by humbly coming and saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I believe in the full, uh, the full, complete satisfaction of your life, your death, and your resurrection. That whatever has brought distance between us and Father God has been completely removed through what you have done and who you are. And therefore, I receive you. And I begin this relationship with you to know you better each day. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm not going to treat you the way some people treat their spouses. There he goes, the meddling again. You know, where you pursue, you pursue, you pursue, you pursue until you get the wedding ceremony and then you go into non-pursuit. And, and, and you just relax. No, whenever you inaugurate something, whenever you begin something, that's just the beginning. And all the passion and all the love that, that brought the relationship to that point of covenant, that's just the beginning. From there, we continue to press in. We continue to pursue. We continue to, to develop and, and to walk into the fullness of the relationship. Because it's supposed to go from glory to glory, to glory to glory. A lot of folks, you know, they're, they're totally, you know, just in, in this illusion of love with their spouse. They love them. And then after a while, they get disillusioned. And they're thinking, huh, what have I done? What have I done? You know, I've never found that with Jesus. There's never been one moment that, that as I continue in relationship with him, I'm thinking, oh man, did I make a mistake? Man, I don't know. I don't know if I should continue to, to invest as much time and energy in this relationship with Jesus because, you know, well, that's kind of what we've done with our marriage. Never found that with, with our relationship with our Lord, with the true bridegroom. With the bridegroom, it's like, how can I invest more? How can I give him more time, more energy? What are some new ways of connecting with him that will cause me to understand the fullness of his love for me even in a greater way? Hmm. So where are we going? How can we live in the light of the new creation, the kingdom of God? Well, it's first through salvation. It's first by becoming and realizing that part of the newness is the newness of you. <laughs> that when we are in Christ, we're a new creation. He's not only doing something within the earth and the heavens, but he's doing something within us. He's making us new. Do you realize that, that the language that's used for the new birth, the language that's used here for a new creation, is, is literally saying that no one has ever seen anything like this kind of newness that you have in Jesus. 
No, there's no place on the earth that you can see anything like this. It's almost like he birthed a new species of beings. We're going back to our original of what he had intended. We're light beings. We're, we're beings created to, to have his glory reside within us. That's, that's good. That's another sermon, though. We'll, we'll, we'll stay on this one. Okay. The resurrection of Jesus declares not only that we've died, but that we've personally been raised with Christ. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so we, we, need, to, we need to get off, off everything that the enemy would want us to focus on with what we think is wrong with the world, what's wrong with our nation, what's wrong, and, and get our eyes back on the Lord and keep it. For from there, we will get wisdom to know how to proceed as we follow him. The presence of God's future breaks into our present. And let's be anticipating more and more of that. So the question that we have today is, Lord, in what ways would you like for me to join in your kingdom work. For some of us, it's going to be, you know, I really need to get serious about my relationship with Jesus. I need to renew my heart connection to Jesus. I need to move closer to Jesus because I've, I've let the circumstances of life bring distance between me and Jesus. And so we just turn, say, Jesus, I'm moving toward you. That's all you have to do. Start moving toward Jesus. Some of you are moving toward Jesus and you're finding it's getting better and better and better and it's getting awesome and you're about to explode and it's time to explode. That's okay. It's time to explode. Find out what he wants you to do. Today, he may have a divine assignment for you at, at, at the restaurant that you go to, uh, with the family that you gather with, uh, with the foul ball that you catch, you know. You may have a divine assignment to, to, to meet and to connect with someone and, and just be aware that the one who is so glorious that resides in you, his kingdom is ready to be expressed in and through you because he's bringing heaven to earth and you're his agent of love. So Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're saying to the church. Thank you for loving us so much. We pray, Father God, that you would release the fullness of your love to us. We pray, Father, that we would be so connected with you that it would be natural to release the incredible, amazing realities of your kingdom. I pray that what we begin to understand that is ours by virtue of being one with Christ that we would be able to release in very practical, real, and powerful ways here on the planet. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, come and settle on each one of us. Prepare us to know the wonder of heaven on earth. Prepare your hearts for the table of the Lord. You don't have to be a member of our church. 
practice what we call an open communion if you know the Lord Jesus <laughs> or if you're in process of knowing the Lord Jesus I find the table's a great way to really connect with him come and connect with him and as you are wherever you are in your walk with Jesus I pray that this is not just something that we add on at the end of the service I pray this becomes a means of of exploding into his presence and of receiving his mercy and his grace. Ah. It's not about being perfect. It's about opening your heart to receiving love. It's not about how much you love him. It's about how much he loves you. So as you come to the table today, we come down the center aisle Use this entire room any way you want to as, as your own private, personal sanctuary. Connect with God. Take as long as you want. Enjoy. Enjoy His presence. And let Him release fire from heaven into your soul. God bless you as you come. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.